Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about our sponsors, Cincy Shirts. Look, we love Cincy Shirts. These guys have been around FC Cincinnati from the very beginning. I can remember the first time I saw FCC Designs in a Cincy Shirt storefront. I thought, man, this team really made it. And it turns out that was basically the case. Their merch has always been on point. Everybody is always decked out with their Cincy Shirts gear on game days. So if you are needing new gear, the Cincy Shirts folks have hooked you up. They are giving you 10% off your your entire order. And it doesn't have to be FCC gear. That's the pro tip here. If you go to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, and use the promo code, the Cincy, all one word, all caps, they will get you 10% off your order. And it kind of lets them know that you heard about them from us, right? Let's let's just let's keep that between us. So you heard about them from us there. Now they have MLS and MLSPA licensed gear there, and they've got two locations in one in Hyde Park, one in Fort Mitchell. If you want to do your shopping in person, and guess what? They'll print on demand in their shops. That is the best part there. So again, CincyShirts.com, use the promo code POSTCINCY or use the link in the description of this episode, get 10% off your next order. And on this episode, well, if you've been on the internet the last couple of days, you know exactly what this episode is about. And if you haven't been on the internet the last couple of days, well, you are about to get filled in. We are talking about the dramatic breaking story from Tuesday. Matt Miazga allegedly tried to force his way into the referee's locker room after the New York Red Bull FC Cincinnati playoff match in Harrison, New Jersey. Did this did this play out exactly as it's been described? How was it actually described? What are the ramifications? What are the most likely outcomes here? We cover it all, all of this and more. Well, that's gonna be your postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I've got two gentlemen that are in for this month hiatus mid-playoffs with me, joined by uh, the Chief, joined by Grayson. Grayson, I, I feel like we didn't have this problem last year, but I don't know a way to have playoffs without the international breaks ruining it there are fifa windows in october and november for 11 days in each of those months and there will be till the end of time unless fifa radically alters how they they manage international fixtures but i don't remember this last year i we also didn't take a month-long break to play leagues cup last year which kind of screws things a little bit yeah I just I wonder if the three game best of three makes this an inevitability or if there wasn't, I don't know, a better way to do this. Could you have it done? No, I don't think you could. I don't. 
I don't think you could actually get it done before the October international break. It'd be tight. But if you did, you could just have Leagues Cup across essentially the next two international breaks. Or you could take the international break to set up for Leagues Cup and then just do that in um, November. Or you could at least like play through group play through one of the international windows, right? Of like, it's League Cup, who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> or you could also just have all the owners pull some money together and just bribe FIFA to stop having so many international breaks. Like there's an absurd number of international breaks. And it would be one thing, like I don't have a lot of sympathy to MLS playing when they claim, oh, there's international breaks in the summer because we've made the decision that we are going to play through uh, the summer, which is the Euro calendar, which FIFA seems hell bent on abiding by. That's their off time. So nothing's yeah. going on. But you would think that most of these leagues would start to get a little hacked off that we're putting international windows in the middle of the actual club season. And there's way more money in club soccer than there is in international soccer or put it this way there are way more very wealthy people with interest in club <laughs> soccer yes, yes. than there are in international soccer and i feel like there's a dollar amount in soccer that just makes this problem go away there's I, definitely a dollar yeah. amount in soccer that makes this go away um I, I i agree that there's more wealthy people involved with club soccer than there is international soccer the issue with international soccer is um is uh that's where they kick up essentially like yeah there is no club soccer without without fifa for various yeah various reasons that are very hard to extricate yourself from but that said all that means is that there's a number right right yeah. And just it just doesn't seem like they need this many international windows. I feel like with international windows, instead of having all these random international windows over the course of the year, why don't we consolidate it down to like three or four longer ones? And just, you know, mm. like, why do we, we had an international break in a window in October? We have one in November. Maybe we just have one in October and it just goes a little longer as opposed to continuously stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. It's just, I don't understand the point of it all. Especially so, when, like, I'm looking at this as someone who is deeply concerned about the future of our planet and the well being of us as a species. You cannot tell me that it is in the best interest of society that we have to pay for, we have to have Aaron Bapenza taking a flight and burning all of that carbon going from the United States to wherever Gabon is playing, coming back, burning more carbon, then going back and doing it all over again. Look, to me, the crime isn't against the schedule makers at MLS. The crime is really against the planet here. <laughs> and I think that that's something we should all get behind. Well, remember with Bupenza, there's also going to be like a three day stop off in Paris as well in there somewhere. So do you think he uh, jokes about that when he leaves? Do you think he says to the coach, all right, I'll see you on Thursday. It's like, Aaron, you're supposed to be back on Tuesday. I know. I'm just with you. <laughs> you got me. If he does that, that shows me they're well and truly over it. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, chief. Or does, or does, does Bepenza also, Ooh. is he also lost his privileges to do what I consider to be the greatest travel move ever when you're not on an agenda? And that's, I'll take the later flight for the voucher. <laughs> it's he like, comes. I was going to be back, but they were offering $2,000 in Delta credits if I gave my seat up. Can the Delta credits be applied to the salary cap? Because now Chris Albright's ears perk up and go, I can fit a homegrown under what's under the, the cap. What's the conversion rate of medallion miles to GM is the real question here. Well, they better get that in before the end of the year because it's going to yeah. get worse. Yeah. Rack them up now. Sore subject still. Uh, no, Chief, you are not alone in that idea. Arsene Wenger, who has uh, historically had, in my opinion, some terrible ideas about how to fix the sport of soccer, uh, he did have that idea, which is he he went a step further and he said international soccer should take a six weeks uh, six week residency in the typical northern hemisphere summer and do it all then. All of your tournaments, all of your qualifiers, get it all out of the way over a big chunk, make it a big to do, and then your club soccer can continue unimpeded. Yeah, I just don't understand why, like, if you are the public investment fund of some oil state, (laughs) why you're okay with we spent billions of dollars and our players stopped playing for a week here and then they stopped playing again for another week. I I feel like at some point that club soccer gets so. The, the the line only goes up here. And yeah. with all the money in that, every time players travel, it's an opportunity for things to go awry. Every time players play internationally, it's an opportunity for what amounts to an investment in your club getting yeah. hurt. At some point, something's got to give when the wealthy people are all on one side of the ledger. We've learned that yeah. throughout the course of human history. Well, and just like the basic organizing structure of all of this is so horrifically wrong and backwards. Like, imagine if the FDA was also a drug manufacturer and selling, you know, over-the-counter drugs and pharmaceuticals. Oh, and, don't give them ideas. Well, I just like, there's a point where FIFA is the police, where they are regulating the sport and, and sort of, uh, you know, making sure all the competitions happen, while at the same time putting on competitions and putting on, uh, you know, these matches. Like, they are a competitor to club soccer as much as they are the police of club soccer. That's just unsustainable that will come to a head at some point in horrific legal fashion and and probably yeah oil money being spilled everywhere to to untangle that as somebody (laughs) said this week online is that the only true it was about college football or college athletics and the constant push towards you know deregulation paying players the only party that's truly undefeated here are the lawyers with the billable hours um <laughs> i feel like that's the inevitable end to all of this as well when it comes to fifa yeah yeah that and uh i'll, I'll go ahead and throw any and all tv executives in the uh winners of the college football fiasco or college athletics fiasco or if you're what's it was that guy's name rocco camiso yeah maybe, maybe you're yeah, maybe yeah, you're yeah, both yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man he has a soccer stadium named after him in new york and the cosmos still couldn't find a place to play just amazing <laughs> Yeah, it's the, what was the old line? It was uh, he'd rather make a dime his way than a dollar somebody else's. 
A hundred percent. In the immortal words of Blazing Saddles, he's got a shitload of dimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, we are stuck here in our <laughs> literally three-week-long uh pause button of the playoffs now thankfully uh our team is done this is great we've we've advanced to the next round go go the fc um so for our benefit there is essentially a major league soccer game every single night for the foreseeable future so from that perspective alone I, I kind of like this. This is nice. I don't I don't mind this at all. Uh, full disclosure, as we're recording, it looks like New England and Philadelphia are going to go into halftime tied nil-nil. Um, so we'll see. They better see. post up a security guard outside the ref's locker room, I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. Oh, was there a red card just now? Mark Whoa. Anthony K just got a red card for uh, stomping... Uh, I think it was Gazdag. Oh, no. And it was given on VAR. Oh, and, boy. And um, as he left the field, he got up in the personal space of the fourth official. Oh, like, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty good. Oh, he got him good. I'm watching the replay right here. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a stomp. It was bye-bye. This... Uh... This really hurts the chances of New England to win this one. So I was kind of hoping Mark this would be a like dirty player, by the way. Yeah, I think took, this, uh, this cements it. Took well, it's he. He's the guy who took uh, Matarita, yeah, Matarita out of the of the season last year in international um, play. So, yeah. International play, yep. And he's just a he's a he's a dirty player generally. Yeah. Um, another reason to get rid of the international windows during club soccer seasons. Get them to play Canada. <laughs> Full of dirty players. Um, well, speaking of getting into referees' personal spaces, we oh got something to talk about. Uh, I'm going to do my best to try to run through the general outline of events as they unfolded mostly over Tuesday, midday, afternoon. If you are somebody who works for a living, uh, this was either a very unproductive afternoon for you or this was a very fun evening back read <laughs> based on everything that went on. Um, so... In general terms here, uh, as as far as I can remember that and, and as I have it here, at around noon on Tuesday, the PSRA officials Twitter account, that is the labor union account for referees that do MLS games, amongst others, but that's the main one there. Different than pro, and, they're employed by right. pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like – Making sure that we have this clear, because I, until this, I was under the assumption that pro was the referees union in MLS. And I understand it can be confusing that there is a organization of referees that is not the bargaining agent for the referees. <laughs> and if the union is completely separate from pro or the union makes up pro. So pro, right? pro is the company yeah. that employs officials for Major League Soccer, NWSL, and, you know, 
potentially other competitions. Yeah. Um, pro officials can work under non-pro deals, like in uh, international competition, for example. But um, but pro is an organization. It's actually set up as a joint venture yeah. between U.S. Soccer and MLS. In I'm not going to have this year exactly right, but I want to say directionally 2006. Um, and I believe this is still the case. They actually do business out of MLS's offices in New York. Hilarious. They have like a section of MLS's offices. <laughs> that is the uh, pro um, headquarters. And um, I'll leave it there, but it's going to, that's going to come back in probably in some of the stuff that, that I want to talk about yeah, with yeah, this yeah, issue. Yeah, No, this is good. This is good. So, uh, so it's the PSRA. So yeah, this is coming from the referees. Oh, the PSRA is the union. Yes. You're, that represents the refs. Yes. And they, um, they represent uh, pro. There's also pro two, which is who primarily does uh, NWSL and certain non MLS competitions. Um, is, is there a rel here by any chance? <laughs> no, um, but there's there's actually I think two different. Um, I think there's two different contracts. There's a pro contract and a pro two contract. The pro two contract um, just went into place this year mm, okay. Uh, because they tried to there was a fight in 2021 uh pretty well publicized um because i think the mlspa the nwslpa and other um i think the international i think the independent supporters council actually also um has a tweet in support of the pro 2 organization effort so the pro 2 officials won the right to to unionize in 21, I think late 21. And they got into a, they got, they got a contract, which the big deal is getting the contract. Cause that's yeah. when you, when you cement in your wages and benefits and other employment protections, uh, they got the contract this year. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. And it's important to keep track of who is putting these statements out there because it, it does certainly color or flavor the statement if it was coming from pro itself which as we said is owned by mls that that means a lot different part than, owned but yeah or, or part owned yes uh that means a lot something different i think in my mind than and it coming from the the referees uh union account so psra around noon uh tweets and my god you'd think you'd think somebody around here would have I can read it. Grab the tweet. Thank you. (laughs) So they say, after the November 4th New York Red Bull FC Cincinnati match, a player gained unauthorized entry into the official's locker room and was forcibly removed by stadium security while acting in an aggressive and hostile manner. No one's safety should ever be at risk, and we expect MLS to act accordingly. Uh, And then there's a reply. Yeah. I'll read that as well. Yeah. This is an unacceptable and, as we recall, unprecedented violation of league policy and sporting integrity. We've urged MLS to take appropriate disciplinary action against the player and to remind all league participants that violations like this will not be tolerated. 
Yeah. So that is the first time, as far as I can tell, anybody publicly knew anything about this, I'll point out, did not name even a team, let alone a player in this. Not clear why that was the case, uh, but that is what happened. Then it took a- And it's it's important also to note for context that we're recording this on Wednesday, November 8th. (laughs) This tweet happened on Tuesday, November 7th about a game that had taken place and been contested on Saturday, November 5th. Yes. So a full uh, almost 60, 72 hours after the conclusion of this game. It's a good long while. It took about an hour after that before we started hearing rumors and there was some posts on Reddit that it was an FC Cincinnati player. And then about an hour and a half after that or so, Jonathan Tannenwald from the Philly Inquirer tweets out that he's hearing that that player was indeed FC Cincinnati's own Matt Miazga. And I'll say every single person speculating up to this moment Assumed it was Matt Miazga. So it then comes out that it was indeed Matt Miazga that was the uh, the player involved here. However, it was but a half an hour or an hour after that confirmation. Wait, uh, first, oh, first, 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 before please. we before we go further, please. I want to talk about how people respond to things like this. Yeah, that's okay? good. That's good. And so the statement comes out. And. I think it's very, and these people's understandings of statements like these tend to drift as they talk about them, mm-hmm. right? And so things that like aren't in the statement or aren't directly said by the statement become like kind of generally accepted because people people talk and what actually they do this like little game of telephone with stuff like this. So um, I think it's clear to talk about like to kind of parse them yeah. when they come out and say, what were the factual declarations here? Yes. Right. What was like facts and what was like flavor extra? Yeah. Right. Because this okay. is all, this is, this is PR at the end of the day too. And it's the art of saying something in such a way that you cannot be criticized after the fact for being untrue. But you can phrase things in such a way that you lead people to a conclusion that is beneficial to your view of the facts, I think. Yeah. And this is one reason why it's important to realize this is the union talking and not pro, because the union at the end of the day is an advocacy group. Yes. That exists to advocate on behalf of its members, which is good. Yeah, it should. But you have to, it should, it should be doing this. Not, maybe not this specifically. I'm agnostic on that because <laughs> whatever. But the unions generally need to, need to be ex- accepted that they're going to advocate for their members. And it's just up to, you know, other stakeholders, other stakeholders and the rest of us to like understand that as we're assessing various situations. Right. Um, just like companies will advocate for themselves. Right. Right. So, Fact number one, after the November 4th, New York Red Bull FC Cincinnati match. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, a player gained unauthorized entry into the official's locker room. Okay. Okay. Um, It's not clear what unauthorized entry means, right? 
does it mean stuck your head in through an open doorway or does it mean open the door and barged in? Now, I can actually add a hint of context to this because the statement included a picture of the tag that I presume was on this door. Maybe it's on every door. It just says referee locker room authorized personnel only. So there you go. It also Um, with with that first clause as well is that it does not make clear when this incident occurred, whether this was someone coming in immediately after the match ended, half hour after the match ended, hour after the match ended. Doesn't make any statement about that. Just at some point yeah. after the match had concluded. Um, uh, forcibly removed by stadium security. Again, the only like pure fact in there is sta- is removed by stadium security. Yeah, forcibly. Um, forcibly, that could be like they yelled at him. That could be they. They kind of put their hand on their shoulder. It could mean they grabbed him and restrained him. Carried him out. And yanked him out, right? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on there. And then the last is, while acting in an aggressive and hostile manner. Now, I, don't, I know they don't mean it this way. <laughs> but the way it's written means that stadium security was acting in an aggressive and hostile manner. <laughs> um, but let's let's assume uh, that they meant the player was acting in an aggressive, hostile manner. Well, even so, was the player acting in an aggressive and hostile manner when they gained entry, when they were in there, when they were moved by security? Yeah. What does aggressive and hostile mean? Does it mean... Physical contact, I would assume, you know, physical contact would be mentioned if it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even clear that so they yeah. were hostile at the referees. They could have had a pleasant conversation and got hostile at security that was forcibly removing them. Right. So, but so, but basically, um, and then the second sentence, no one's safety should ever be at risk and we expect MLS to act accordingly. It doesn't say anybody's safety was actually at risk. Yeah. Right. It just says. Declaratively, <laughs> nobody should be. No one's safe. No one. No one should ever feel uh, unsafe. Which so, to that, like, cool. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody disputes that at all. Right. Like the so question what, is whether or not was anyone actually unsafe in this situation. Right. What they're so what they're saying is after the game, a player was in some form or fashion in some form or fashion across the barrier of the officials locker room and stadium security got them out. And at some point somebody was acting in an aggressive and in hostile manner. Yeah, there's certainly, if I, if I may now take one step into the speculation side of this, they certainly want you to think that somebody was being violent towards the referees, smashed into their locker room, was making threats, if not actually being violent. And it took stadium security hauling them away to finally you know, restore safety to the referees. That's- this is what you would write <laughs> if you wanted somebody to think that, but couldn't actually say that that happened. Right is how I took the statement at the time. Yes. And how because I still take the, the statement. Because if that was the case, if somebody had kicked the door into the referee's locker room 
you would have said that plainly. Mm-hmm. If someone would have put their hands on an official, or even like making, in a friendly way, right? right? Or they could have said, a, "Put hands on the official," or made a specific threat to the official. They would have said that, right? What's unsaid here is equally as important as what's said because this statement was crafted specifically. Because again, when you write a statement like this, this is PR 101. The first rule of spin is that your spin must contain all allegations that are factual. You can't be caught lying about something. You always (laughs) need to have an out at the end that says, oh, well, you know, we just had an alternative view. And this is how our view of what happened was. This is this is the danger, you know, not to break kayfabe too much. This is part of the danger of when you read a story about a crime that occurs right after it happens, when you're only getting one side of the allegation. And most of the time, everything that has ended up being reported is factually accurate. But the devil is in the details of how much, how hard, how far and to what extent. Yeah. And you can, in, especially in like crime reporting, it's a great example. And I don't want to get on this tangent, but if you read some of the stories about some of the crime in Over the Rhine by one of our local outlets, it's a classic example of making true statements, but giving a very misleading impression by like what facts you include, what facts you don't include, um, and what order you put things in what things you put next to yeah the connections each other. you make yep even without like making a direct connection right, right? just listing two things side by yep. side the reader takes a connection away and with the statement like this from the PSRA it's kind of your job to put out the most aggressive statement that you can write without like being shown to have told a direct untruth. Yeah. It's super interesting too. This is like just a a broader thought on this whole thing of like, you've got a player and a referee, both, both employed by the same organization, or at least via the chain of ownership, uh, some partial ownership. We'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And competing CBAs on how they might manage discipline here or something like that. Feels like it'd be right up Grayson's (laughs) wheelhouse there. Um, the other thing, Okay. Oh, I was going to say, the other yeah, thing, point. go, go, go. You finish go, your go. thought. Finish your thought. Well, your I was just going to move on in. to Pat Brennan providing us further context. Well, so you, but, you get into yours. Right. Before we get, before we get the Pat Brennan's thing, just also remember that the way this works in, because look, all life is politics, not capital P politics, little P politics. And the way a lot of this sort of stuff works in, we'll say the world of, of spin and control of narrative and that sort of thing is that there is always a reason information gets out or doesn't get out as the case may be. And so when we noted or when I noted at the outset on this one that it was in excess of 48 hours, almost three days before anything about this incident made it public. And it wasn't like, oh, it was the weekend and nobody had time to get this out. There was a full-on weekday, yeah. a Monday, yeah. a slow, 
non-newsy Monday that this could have been released and it wasn't. And so a lot of the time, organizations, whatever their function may be, they choose to release information publicly as a method of putting pressure on someone that they feel isn't taking them seriously or is blowing them off or has decided that something isn't a big deal because they want the court of public opinion to weigh in on their side. So it becomes incredibly important part of this story, an incredibly important part of the story that this information in whatever state it was released was released at this time when there was no compelling reason that it couldn't have been done earlier, but for the fact that there was some positive reason for the official, the union to get this out now. And you can speculate as to what that is. And because they invite speculation, I'll invite speculation. And that's that they had already reported this to MLS and MLS was planning on just not doing anything about it. And they thought that by releasing this information and ginning up interest in this story, it would put public pressure on MLS to do something to Matt Miazga versus just saying, eh, no harm, no foul on this. And that's given an enormous amount of context by the part that you're about to read next, Kevin. Well, yeah. let me let me add an alternative speculative theory. Okay. Um, a fact that a fact that we do know was happening simultaneously in those intervening days is FC Cincinnati had come out immediately after the game, basically, and and said that they were going to uh, appeal. Matt Miazga's yellow card. Okay. Yellow card appeals go to a three person committee. There's a representative of U.S. soccer, a representative of Canada soccer, and a representative of pro. Okay. Hmm. So if there was any talk about potentially overturning his second yellow, Somebody employed by pro, likely a referee, probably also a member of the PSRA, would know about how that vote is going, right? Mm -hmm. And it's likely that information would get back to the PSRA. And then, okay, you're going to take his yellow card away. We're going to blast this thing on Twitter that... We didn't even, for all anybody knows, report to MLS or Pro directly on Saturday. Yeah. Now you look silly, you know, rescinding this man's yellow card. Don't you know he's a violent threat to the sport right. or it's whatever? Like, do you want to rescind his yellow card and ignore this heinous act of violence against referees? <laughs> right, right. Right. This, what was it? Unprecedented uh, act of violation? I mean, we had violation. Navy yeah. SEALs had to drag him out. <laughs> right. It would be the functional equivalent of, you know, you're trying somebody for murder. And you can tell the jury's not going your way. So at the last minute while they're deliberating, you bring in evidence like, I heard he beats his wife, too. You might want to look into that. Right, right. How dare you let this person go? Look at all the horrible things he does besides this. He's got unpaid library fines. Let me tell you, <laughs> folks, not a good character. Um, so I heard he owns Dogecoin. You can't trust a person like this out in public. Look at his crypto wallet, folks. You cannot let this man free. Um, so. Uh, 
So we're at about, I think we're about two hours after the initial statement, maybe a little further along. Uh, Pat Brennan, we get a tweet. Well, first off, I liked I liked the uh, the baiting the tweet. There's some additional info coming, folks. Really should have dropped the sub to you know subscribe to the Inquirer link on that one, Pat. Just you know, critique for next time. Uh, but they, he kept us waiting for eleven minutes too say, after that. Some additional <laughs> info incoming, which Pat. I think you may be listening, and if you are listening, stop. This is not worth your time. But if you are, don't listen to us. Gold, just absolutely gold. I respect the hell out of the the additional info incoming, knowing that you had an entire fan base of perpetually online individuals just hammering the F5 button. So good. So uh, like I said, we're, we're two and a half hours after the initial statement. Pat Brennan tweets, a source with direct knowledge of the post-match alleged incident raised by PSRA said stadium security was not involved at all in Miazga's exchange with referees. Matt was basically moved along from the area by a member of FC Cincinnati's comm team per source. And I like the per source because I could go ahead and bet that the source was said comms team member. But hey, uh, it's just me speculating a little bit there. <laughs> but like. Yeah, it's a pretty different picture being painted here. (laughs) And people have tried to portray this as just a distinction between like, oh, the ref thought that it was a member of security. Right. But it was actually a member of the comms team. But I will tell you, the way a member of comms team leads a player away is very different than the way a member of security (laughs) would lead a player away. And And also, the the way a member of the... The way a member of the comms team dresses, right. there is no mistaking the difference between a comms team member on a road trip where most of these guys are suited up right. for a road trip versus how a stadium security personnel dresses. I mean, some of the members of the, at least one member of the comms team is pretty tall. <laughs> so, you know, like you could, you could, you know, maybe he, he can handle himself a little bit. So you could, you could uh, mistake him <laughs> as a, as a security guard, but, um, the it's not just a distinction between like whether this person's a security guard or a member of the comms team it colors the entire exchange exactly you know it it now it becomes something that that i thought was possible um from the initial statement which is you know he sticks his head into an open locker room door right you know says some says some trash and a member of the comms team says, hey, man, move, move on. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Pat Brennan agrees with you. He, he retweeted his, his initial tweet with his own sort of take on it. And I agree with it quite a bit. And it frames it up nicely. The point being, this is Pat now, uh, the point being stadium security versus a member of comms team is a much different proposition that calls into question how disorderly, if at all, Matt really was. And it's a challenge to the facts the referees established that is significant. I will say after this, sometime later, I don't know exactly when the Athletic published a story on this that included sources from both New York Red Bulls and FC Cincinnati that uh, was summed up with essentially this entire incident is being vastly overblown. And it's worth quoting this directly because I think that this is a rare instance where this was a really good piece of in the moment reporting 
on a story that was emerging and breaking. Mm -hmm. It was Tom Bogert that wrote this, and it was genuinely. This is a big compliment, and this isn't like a compliment that's like it sounds worse than it is. This is NFL quality journalism in terms of how fast the NFL breaking news in the NFL has to be analyzed, reported, and the story has to be fleshed out quickly. Um, the the article that Bogart write, writes on the Athletic it's behind a paywall. So if you haven't read it, find it. I think it's on all of the discords now. You can. I think find it's Bogart and Pablo Mauer, by the way. Okay, it was good either way. Sources said Miaska left with a member of Cincinnati staff and was not forcibly removed. The Inquirer is Pat Brennan, and they spelt with the I, which I always enjoy uh, for Inquirer. <laughs> Also reported, which means that there's another source that he's talking to beyond who Pat Brennan reported to, uh, talked to. Also reported Miazga is not removed by stadium security. Another source who was in the vicinity of the incident also disagreed with the suggestion that Miazga was forcibly removed and suggested that, quote, the entire thing has been blown out of proportions. Later in the story, it says Miazga, according to two sources briefed on the matter, wanted to speak with referee Victor Rivas about the yellow cards that he received at the end of the game, which did not result in the red card because one came during a penalty shootout during which the time counted separately. So this is a completely different characterization of the story. And this is a. This changes the situation as we talked earlier about the 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 uh, referees union tweet. It was like, okay, this is being crafted in such a way that you cannot find a factual lie that they are saying, Mm -hmm. but it spins it in a certain way. Well, now this is uh, Pat Brennan and the athletic uh, Maurer and Bogert talking to what I think is, if I'm counting correctly, four sources. Um, Multiple from both teams at the very least. Multiple from both teams, all characterizing this completely differently and reporting specifically, specifically a factual misstatement by the officials union regarding having to be led away by security, which is once you establish that as a given that, okay, on one side, you have the advocacy group, the bargaining unit for parties involved saying one thing and you have four separate sources on the other side not affiliated or only somewhat affiliated with the situation you've got if it was just an fc cincinnati employee that would be one thing but you've got team employees on both sides directly contradicting that then at that point you lose all credibility with the original reporting and every part of that should then be viewed with grave suspicion if they have already gotten a fact wrong, if they have a fact wrong, you should also view with suspicion the implications they're making based on that fact. Because why did they say it was a member of security if they didn't know? Right. Mm-hmm. Why would you say that if you don't know it to be the case? And the only reason you say that and nobody, I, I presume nobody like identified whoever it was as security um, to them. And the reason you say it was security is because it makes the whole situation seem worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, this is what like it's everybody is now having to fall back from an initial impression they got from this statement. And 
Yeah. And you're first, you color the initial impression. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So now everything is, oh, now the incident wasn't as bad as it was. Well, you still, the framing is still a bad thing happened. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought instead of like, I don't actually think anything happened. Like, you can't have that opinion now. It's like way too hard to start there now or to get to there now. It's, uh, yeah, I, it's... It's frustrating. Another thing to keep in <laughs> mind, maybe now I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that thought because I think we're gonna talk about like takeaways and aftermath in a bit. Yeah, I I think um I'm trying to find yeah the the only thing I was trying to find is somewhere Tom Bogart did an AMA and I thought he had said like players talk to referees all the time <laughs> after games, which also I think would... He said something like, I've never seen one of these actually made public. Ah, okay, okay. Which would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, that would make a lot of sense that... I, it would not surprise me. They all have locker rooms right there. Mm -hmm. I tried and to I find a map of the locker room situation <laughs> in Red Bull Arena. I tried to. I went on like YouTube and tried to find like virtual tours and shit. <laughs> I couldn't find anything that showed like if the ref's locker room is like on the way to the visiting locker room. Surely or, one or of whatever. one of our twelve listeners will pull a uh, public documents right. <laughs> request from whatever. And that, <laughs> and that also, that also changes things tremendously that if this happens on a regular basis, mm -hmm. that players go, it's like, Hey, what was up with that? I'm not fighting with you. I'm just curious what your reasoning was on that. Yeah. Or, Hey, the next time we play these guys, you should know this guy said this, this, and this, if that happens all the time, and on this one time, it got a little heated for whatever reason. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Now, now there's no way of knowing. It could have been. You, the, now you can look at that that original statement by the referees union, and it would be completely consistent with Miazga poking his head in, saying, "Hey, what the fuck was up with that yellow card? I didn't do anything." Yeah. And they're like, "I, you know, you can't do that. I'm sorry. No, I really that was that's gonna put me out for the next match. I'm kind of hacked off about that." And the comm staff's like, "Okay, come on, Matt. We don't need to have this fight right here. That is completely consistent now with what they have mm -hmm. said. But for the fact that there is a obvious misstatement of security forcibly restrained Matt Miazga in there, and if that's really the case." You have to wonder why, why, yeah. why did they kick this hornet's nest up doing this? Who made this decision? Who runs this? Who runs this so, social media account? So Who's that's the, person the thing, that, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think they have. I mean, I guarantee you PSRA doesn't have a, um, a social media person. Yeah. Like a dedicated like who runs this full time. Comms person. So the person running this is almost certainly a, um, uh, referee is it is uh, it the guy is it revis is it the referee that i don't know this so, match? so look um i was i i if you man we're getting getting get in the weeds here a little get bit get into the so, weeds grace and this is your moment so the psra is a non-profit okay okay so non-profits have to make certain forms available and those forms have to show like you know how much money they have what their annual expenses are um, and ProPublica, you know, has a very, uh, easy search tool. 
So you can find, at least they have for the PSRA, they have through the December 2021, although I expect the one for 2022 to go up any day now because 2021 went up on November 8th of last year. Which is so today. I would expect <laughs> as of yeah, so I would expect it to go up pretty soon. Um, but they're like so for twenty twenty one, they don't have like any payroll taxes or anything. Um, they have like only like their only expenses are like non employee related expenses. Right. So it's not like they have like a full time social media person on staff. You said no payroll um, taxes. Is it possible it's entirely volunteer run then by random referees? So it's possible. Yeah. Um, they do have like, I, I don't know what this is. So this is not, I'm not saying this is scandalous or anything. This is just what the document says. Um, they have like $66,000 in management fees. Um, $96,000 in legal fees, almost $5,000 in accounting fees. Um, I assume those legal fees are related to the 2021 organizing fight for pro two, but that's only because it seems like a big number to know that was happening at the time. Yeah. Um, but it does list who their board was, Mm. um, at the time. And the board was the president was Peter Manikowski. He's a retired referee who it looks like works as a lawyer uh like an employment lawyer feels like a Um, good pick (laughs) vice president was brian poschel treasurer jonathan johnson and secretary was chris penso oh Uh, so he's like the only real name i i I recognize there but uh, i do believe so those guys have been on the board at least like the pre the few previous years as well um i did find an interview that peter manikowski gave a couple months ago regarding nissa not paying refs and he was still the president at that time uh-huh. so there's a pretty good chance that he's still the president pretty good chance chris penso is still um on the board but like there's no way to know who sends this tweet right except that i'm pretty sure it's a referee right which i think raises the question like how do how do these referees when they're openly advocating for Miazga to get like some type of league punishment? How do they officiate FC Cincinnati games moving forward? I mean, so, so this is this is the fun part for me. Yeah, because um, backing up to earlier in the morning, um, <laughs> I had a little downtime at work and I decided that what would really be funny is if I, in my capacity as person with the admin account for the Queen City War Pigs, (laughs) would issue a press release. Why? Because I don't know. I find that funny that anyone would take this seriously, that I would issue a press release with just the logo for the a fake supporters group at the top. <laughs> we are officially calling on MLS to appoint a special counsel to review all cards issued to FC Cincinnati defender Matt Miazga to determine if there is bias from pro referees against him. We also demand that he be allowed to play during this review. Um, many people took this seriously, despite the fact that we had the uh, direct quote from Donald Trump of, we need to pause everything until someone can figure out what the hell is going on here. 
And then additionally, <laughs> fuck Columbus. And the uh, all good press releases should include a, a byline that tells you where it's being released at. So that's Cincinnati, Ohio. Smart. And then the last paragraph should always be information about the organization that is releasing the press release. Yes. And you finish it up with three of the little hashtag symbols. Why? I don't know. It's just what you do. That's how they all do it. Um, the final paragraph, which I thought would be a direct tip off as to <laughs> what this was, was the Queen City War Pigs were founded in 2016 by a local Cincinnati soccer supporter, potentially well inebriated, with a stated goal of, quote, aggressive banter, but not from my real social media account where someone might get pissed off and send the tweets to my boss. <laughs> you really should have now, emailed that to the press at WLWT, press at WCPO.com. <laughs> I have all those email addresses. <laughs> Inbox. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, that was earlier in the morning. And then all this news breaks and I end up on, you know, MLS images that precede unfortunate <laughs> disasters or whatever as a result of this. Yeah. But having said that, I don't know that that's not a real thing now. Like to Grayson's point, if the official that sent that tweet is not one of the people that was working the FC Cincinnati New York Red Bulls game. It means that somebody communicated to him whatever happened, yep. which confirms the suspicion that I have that all of these people are on a group chat and they just talk away about everything that happens in these games and they complain about players and that they, oh, this guy always embellishes or this guy treated me like an asshole. Oh my you know, God. Watch out for it. To get in that group chat. <laughs> oh. oh God. The mother Grayson, if you, if Grayson, if there's any, if there is any information act of, that is free that can get access to these text messages. Somebody call Bob Ruhlman. We have a new gang of five that we need to investigate Somehow, right now. There's gotta be a way. <laughs> so um, get uncle Bobby on the case. So I, I do think it's probably an an issue. Like, so if they're investigating Miazga for whatever this was, which again, we don't know if, if anybody told anybody about this until the PSRA put the tweet out. Right. Um, and there's reason to believe that they didn't because it's been characterized as a nothing burger by everyone that, that was spoken to off the record about and this. And allegedly there um, are similar incidents that also go unreported, yes. There probably also does need to be some type of review of like whether anybody involved with this game, involved with this tweet, um, can officiate FC Cincinnati games moving forward. I mean, they've taken a position that's it's like basically like we don't care what league internal discipline under the and by the way, <laughs> yes, please. Um, <laughs> I find this very anti-solidarity for a union to be asking for a union member to experience employment consequences uh, <laughs> outside of the scope of that employee's collective bargaining agreement. That is so good. Yes. <laughs> um, but all that, all that being said, um, I, I wonder, so the, the tweet itself, okay, well, it does talk about an incident involving a player does make statements more broadly about like the need to protect referees. Mm -hmm. And I can't ignore the fact that this is coming on the heels of Vanny Sartini's 
joke about like killing a ref and um other news around the world about mistreatment of referees yes right so this is a group statement about work conditions so it probably is protected against like retaliation by pro Mm -hmm. does that mean mls can however like refuse to give involved officials certain game assignments i don't know i mean i think that would depend on whether mls is viewed as like i mean look i don't i don't know anything i'm making this up um whether they're like a joint employer of, of um of speaking completely hypothetically and in nothing that i would ever know in my official capacity um, outside of my podcasting life um i did i did look up did, did do some research and there was a pro official who sued pro and mls for age discrimination and mls got dismissed because they said mls was not um the employer was not a co-employer, uh, not a joint employer with pro that the ref was only employed by pro. Um, but that was like a New York state court case. I don't know how much water that would carry in like with like the Biden NLRB or whatever, but right. that's, but that's for, you know, people who actually know things about this stuff, like people in our, in our discord. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like, um, is, is MLS like a co-employer of pro is pro uh, is PSRA showing poor, are they, you know, acting as kind of a rat by, um, asking for, by demanding like harsh sanctions yeah. on Miazga, even though he's covered by a CBA that is, you know, provides yeah. whatever his punishment is going to be. Um, I've seen some, some folks talk about, um, like three days being mandatory if he's guilty of quote unquote ref abuse. Right. Um, that comes as far as I can tell from a Jeff Carlisle article. I'm not saying he's not going to get three days. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am saying that I am not aware of anything that makes a three day, a three day, three game suspension mandatory or even recommended in Miyazaki's case under any circumstances. Right. Um, as far as I can tell, that comes from a Jeff Carlisle article where he says it's not clear what MLS protocol is for stuff like this. U.S. Soccer Federation has three games for ref abuse. U.S. Soccer Federation does not govern MLS play. Right. It does not govern discipline in MLS games. That's governed by the collective bargaining agreement. Now, somebody might say... Some idiot might say, well, Clint Dempsey got three games for tearing up a notebook. Uh, I respond, well, that that was in the United States Open Cup, which is run by which is US governed soccer. by USSF <laughs> rules. <laughs> so it's not really. Um, so don't be an idiot and say that, you know, yeah. better now. Um, so, yeah, um, you'd think that. Yeah, so I don't yeah. know. So I don't know what like, I mean. There's a there's a clear procedure in the CBA for this would be deemed if it's bad, it would be deemed on field misconduct. Is it on field, though, if it's happening? Yes, because the CBA says anything that happens basically like on stadium grounds. I see. Okay, is deemed on field misconduct. Okay, 
So the fact that it happened after the whistle in the locker room Correct. doesn't matter as much. Okay. Which is which is stupid because then by that standard, the post match celebration where they're all getting drunk and throwing each other around, you wouldn't let them drink beer on the field. There's a complete <laughs> there's a complete difference between what happens on the field. But you're and allowed what to do certain things. The- you're allowed to do certain things on stadium grounds. You're not allowed to do on the field, like defecate. Mm. I mean, like it would I be mean, a violation to do that on the field, but you can do that ooh, in designated areas wait, of the wait, stadium. Something you could what do. What a great way to ti- what a great way to time waste, though. <laughs> you take a shit on the field, and somebody actually has to go clean it up. It's a good point. I, surely you get a, a, a oh, and yellow if you do it that. like no, if you do it like right on the goalkeeper's end line before penalties, you know he's not diving to his left. That's a good point. I like that. I do like the other idea. question. Would oh. would Miazga have been covered though if he had the captain's armband and went to go yell at the ref about what happened afterwards? Ooh, yeah. No. If he keeps his armband if, on during the entire time, is that like an immunity idol yeah, for what's going on? It should be. Um, I do like the idea of a, a bone like crunching diplomatic immunity, a bone crunching tackle, but in the hallway. Like going back to the, to the thing. Like he it's not a solid officer. That was when John Tolkien just like yeah. falls down, grabbing his leg in the back hallway. He shouldn't be vice captain anymore, right? He should be captain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do like I did like your take. Not to steal your thunder about this, but the idea that like everyone that said Lucho was too hot headed to be a captain, <laughs> they all wanted Miazga. Yes, yeah. How's I, that turning out? I know I got a lot of tweets saying I've never seen anybody say that, folks. I've seen a whole den of them say it. <laughs> binders. We got binders of people saying it. It's a there's a real thing. I did not make that. No, up. I want I want I, this this makes me respect Matt Miazga more. That like he <laughs> is so he's all about the badge. He's all about getting on the field. Like he was so fired up about the fact that he was gonna miss that next match at at the teak for fans of the FC, he was going to let them down, that he wanted to go in and demand an explanation from the referees. Or, I'm sorry, that he went in to casually discuss how (laughs) this went. And, you know, popped his head in the door, thereby breaking the plane of the end zone. And thus, by technical definitions, you know, committing a trespass violation. scored a touchdown, yes. Right. And as he leaned in to ask the refs politely, if they understood the love that he had for New York fans and then how I'm just a simple, you know, defenser, a uh, defender. I don't think deeply. I'm not a midfielder. Defensor. I'm defensor. <laughs> it's the classic Latin <laughs> version of the sport. <laughs> it's how Mr. Spock would pronounce it. But, um, you know, I just I show love to the fans. I don't think deeply about things. I kick ball hard other direction. I will um, say I will say that this whole thing, like him feeling the need to like even just converse with the refs after the game does, uh, I think, support uh, my tweet that um, it was a genuine heart toward the fans because he's not um, the type of person who acts like sarcastically. He's the kind of person who just kind of does things like very directly. Like he thinks like it's a funny own to just point out that somebody is shorter than he is. It's, like that's how he right. There's no subtle that's how he here. talks like he doesn't have like subtlety yeah his mind doesn't work that way and it i mean like i i 
I guess people don't realize this about Miazga. He played for the New York Red Bulls since he was 14 years old. He was eventually sold uh, to Chelsea at the age of 21, was it? 22, 20, somewhere in there. Uh, he is from Medford, New Jersey, which I believe is like one town over from Harrison. He is very much a Red Bull player through and through. If you're wondering why he's so good at shithousing, clearly he came up through the Red Bull uh, Academy system there. Like uh, I I heard uh, going into this one that Miazga was asking every player if they had any leftover uh, friends and family tickets because he had every single member of his family was interested in coming to see him play at New York Red Bull for this, this big match. So yeah, like there's a very good chance he's throwing up those heart symbols to his own family members, folks in that crowd. So, yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, so I, before we go, please off this topic. No, I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> we were talking about uh, why now for this. Yes, you know, like ah. on the heels of all of all this other stuff involving referees, like Sartini and all that. We are here in November, mm-hmm. year of our Lord, 2023. My understanding is that the collective bargaining agreement covering PSRA expires in January 2024. Uh-oh. So they are probably negotiating the next contract as we speak. Right now. Or gearing up to negotiate for it. So what do you do in negotiations? You do whatever you can to get public uh, public uh, opinion on your side. Mm-hmm. You know, you do little you do little stunts. You make a little bit of a scene. Yeah. Remind people that you exist. Refs, refs <laughs> exist and refs have feelings. Yeah. And I don't know what the main topic of their negotiations is i assume pay is always front of mind but there's usually a couple of extra tidbits there maybe they are wanting more security in stadiums this would be a good opportunity to to highlight that need right or or they want harsher punishments for players doing x y and z whatever the case is um so yeah this could absolutely be be being used in that that political sense there i I do find it interesting though that like the Players union and the referees union don't have some sort of like collaborative punishment for when one of them wrongs the other one. Right. Like you would think well, that's handled out in the parking lot. Right? I think. Clearly, clearly street justice. <laughs> that's what Miazga thought. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, like there should be some sort of like, Hey, if you do this, you get this ban rather than like them both going to tell dad that the other one hit them. And then MLS, I'm sorry, pro or MLS that needs to resolve the issue there. I don't know. So my big takeaway from all this is that, the one thing that I know to be true is that the union lied. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. I don't know the degree to which it happened. I just know that all source reporting is that the initial tweet that set this off contained a lie. And that's very and profoundly strange to me to lie about something that would be so easily 
and demonstrably proven otherwise that would be so easy to prove as being false. My other big takeaway from this, and I think, Kevin, you've pointed this out already, and that's that the last time we <laughs> had a run-in with officials uh-huh. was after Noonan called uh, that one official unprofessional following the NYCFC match last year. Yeah. And let me tell you, we couldn't buy a call for the better part of six weeks until somebody finally told Pat to make a public apology in one of his press conferences about how hard officiating is. And then all of a sudden, the 50-50 calls started being actually 50-50 again. So I am not eager to run that back in a single elimination format like we have going forward (laughs) in the MLS Cup playoffs presented by Audi as discussed by the postcast. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it was late Tuesday. I got a text message. Well, I can bet you one thing. We are absolutely losing our next match. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, it kind of it kind of feels like the inevitable end to this story here that the uh, the VAR is going to see that uh, that handball that nobody else could see, or that uh, that flop that uh, clearly had studs going through somebody's thighs. Um, I can tell you with some pretty good certainty here, unless something is about to change. Uh, that next opponent is likely to be the Philadelphia Union, as they are up one to nothing on the New England Revolution, with about seven eight minutes left to play. At the time. And New England down a man. New England's down a man. New England attacking pretty good right now. It's the best look they've had in a while. So, uh, <sighs> so yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, well, we'll just need to we'll just need to win it convincingly. We won't we won't rely on trying to win a foul in the box. Yeah, we're gonna have to Cause win because that's not, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's going to have to be like a five to two victory. I think if if anything's going to happen here, um, Grayson, I don't know the timeline of when we will know the results of these investigations and appeals and whatnot. Do you have any sense for how long this might take to resolve? No, didn't it take like months for Bob Bradley? Ten for, days. Um, it took like 10 days for the Kai Wagner uh, racial slur investigation to mm-hmm. end up in anything. For the um, yeah, weeks for so, the arena yeah. decision to, yeah. Sorry, I, I think people like, have said that they expect the disciplinary committee to come out with like its decisions um, by the end of like later this week. Okay. But um, this seems like the type of thing that would be outside of the normal like the disciplinary committee is usually like going through games that happened and saying like oh that player died dove we're going to find them that player did not leave the field in a timely manner that we're going to find them right um you know rescinding yellow cards that kind of thing so i i mean it could it could happen like tomorrow it could happen you know the week of by it i mean like the appeal finding out yeah. any findings from MLS about the uh it could happen, you know, the week of uh the week leading up to the game on the 25th. Oof. I don't know. Yeah. It just sucks because it feel it felt like they had I don't want to say a great chance, but they had a 
least I'd say, you know, a puncher's chance of getting the yellow card suspension overturned, at least one of those cards overturned. I feel like it's probably an uphill battle to expect he's go- Miazga is going to be cleared of wrongdoing in this instance. And also, oh, by the way, uh, the yellow card is also going to be tossed out. This feels like something intuitively where they're going to split the baby on this and say, we are choosing not to discipline or we found that there's not enough evidence to discipline him for his conduct towards the officials after the match. But we're um, not going to overturn that yellow. And if that was, in fact, the genesis for releasing this statement by the referees union, then congratulations. Mission accomplished. accomplished. They did it. Um, There is one thing that came out in the reporting that we didn't mention that I do think was probably really dumb. Oh, please. There was a, I think it was WCPO reporter said he heard, said he saw like Miazga come from some direction he didn't see from where, talking to a comms person and saying like, you know, something about like, find me then or something like that or fine, find me. Yeah. Um, Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, man. Like you're telling them you don't care about being fined. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of like in the untouchables. When uh, Frank Nitty is like, all right, arrest me, arrest me. And he starts talking trash to the to Elliot Ness. And he's like, you know, arrest me. And Elliot Ness decides he's had enough of it. And he throws him off the roof of the building. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He's like, fine, you don't mind being arrested. See how you like this. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I. So. So the most likely outcome then is, Chief, I think I think you laid it out. I do think that is the most likely outcome. I Grayson, if you disagree, where the yellow card is upheld, but nothing comes of the locker room incident. I feel like unless they really think that they can get away with saying it was absolutely nothing. Right. There'll be some monetary sanction. Oh. To okay. show that to show that they did a you know, they investigated and, mm. you know, the, you know, while they don't believe like he actually was posing a danger or confronting referees, um, players need to be more respectful about their private space. Well, you right? know, you Which a, is what, but the, yeah. the interesting part about that, though, is that part of what does lean towards the Matt Miazga has been fined an undisclosed amount as a result of this is that if Bogart is right. And this happens all the time that players go back and converse with the officials or pop their head into the officials dressing room to ask a question or do that. Any discipline that Miazga is subject to, you know, has to comport with the CBA. And if there is evidence that there is similar conduct that goes unpunished, because it's just part of some unwritten rule that, hey, we know you're not supposed to do this, but it is tolerated all the time. That might be something MLS is eager not to have out publicly, how often players converse with refs outside of the official 90-minute time that they're on the field together. Because the minute that you start diving deeply into that as part of a union grievance that Miazga or the players' union could file about this – it starts to get a little match fixy and a little, 
you just don't want to hear about that. And I don't think the league would be eager for that to become part of the public discourse as to how often players are going back and lobbying their case to match officials after games. Yeah, but it is match fixing to do do something like this. Mm -hmm. Yes. The referees are intentionally lying like or maybe not intentionally but they are absolutely lying to impact the odds of another team's you know ability to progress your your ability like as a referee you affect the game from zero to 90 it is not your place to try to influence affect or affect the outcome of games when the games are not actually going right right (laughs) if if miazga was truly barging in and making violent threats or whatnot go to the police report it to the league (laughs) report it report it to the league yeah there are processes for this the process is not go to twitter yeah, file a complaint with the league. There, this is clearly conduct that would be covered under your CBA with the league. File a with grievance pro. with pro. <laughs> file a grievance. Take it up with the league. Don't go to the, the court league of is public not their opinion. employer, as far as I know. <laughs> if they, it's U.S. soccer. Everybody works for everybody. <laughs> I'm sure some soccer United marketing is involved in this somehow. Actually, somehow the referees all report up to the players' union. It doesn't make any sense, but it was it was the structure they could they could figure out. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, we'll see what happens. I am curious. Does MLS pick? pro referees to run their games or does MLS go to pro and say, Hey, we need a center referee, two assistants and a fourth official and some VARs. Who do you got available for us? I think I can answer this. If you guys filibuster for a little bit, <laughs> I can filibuster. Uh, chief. If I did like the idea, though, of the undisclosed fine. How much money would Miazga pay to get the yellow card rescinded? Because that feels like the actual compromise here. It's a hundred so, grand I mean, worth getting the yellow well, card. It's, it's it's not how much does Miazga feel comfortable paying. It's how much does Carl feel okay, comfortable paying to Miazga <laughs> to pay his fine. And I'm going to speak on behalf of Mr. Linder yeah. and say money is no object <laughs> we can we can we can all come we are gentlemen yep. we are businessmen we can come to some accord here and and get this get this sorted out i do want to circle back to Please. the idea that i am now it was a joke yesterday morning mm-hmm. a little less of a joke right now i do want i want there to be a a special counsel or an expose into what is being said on these back channel text message threads by officials. I want to see the emails. I want to see the emails on the private server that these officials are talking on because that does have a actual impact on these games. I want to know if they're out there and they're saying, you can never believe anything Lucho says. You just ignore him anytime he talks to you. Right. That impacts the game if they all talk about that. Yeah. That is match fixing. If they are having conversations outside of of business hours about the players that they are held to be fair and open for. I actually don't think I agree with that. 
Well, don't say that. I'm covering it for you while you research. I think. I think that. I, well, I've, I. They think should I come in this with a blank. They should come in with a blank slate on all this. They should. No, I think it's fair to like. I think it's fair to be like, okay, Red Bulls, but the problem is they don't seem to do a very good job, right? Of like knowing how teams play or what players' tendencies are, because teams like Red Bulls get away with doing what they do time and time again. Um, by the way, I do think I think Pro makes the assignments because. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say why I think that because I don't want to get us in trouble. Ooh. Okay. But, <laughs> I like <laughs> no, that answer. Uh, it's in the I think, under the under the Ref CBA. I think it it does it talks about Pro assigning the matches. Okay. Now does does Pro have a contract with MLS that gives MLS some input on who mm-hmm. uh, which are their officials? Well, this is even uh, worse. Referee matches. I I don't know. Well, this is even worse because because now if MLS doesn't comply with what the officials union wants, then what would be to stop Pro from assigning a ridiculously anti like mm, does Pro have a hit squad? This is what I was going like, for. Does Pro have Probably. a squad where it's sort of like like the goon line in hockey, <laughs> where it's like, hey, they were messing with with Ovi, get out there and remind them that they're not supposed to do that like does pro have a crew of four people where it's like these guys they know the drill they know what they're there to do how many it's like hey we we need you to go make sure cincinnati learns a lesson about how to deal with us how many pro referees are in that group chat saying please please let me have the opportunity to ref their next game i'll teach them a lesson oh but no, the group chat's fine. That's fine. We don't we don't care about that. <laughs> I just release the text messages. Yeah, no, I I it, I don't. It it does bother me that like for example, I think I forget who it was said that like Kubo had a reputation as a dirty player. Oh yeah, that's insane. Yeah, like it bothers me when they get stuff wrong like that. But Ugh. and yeah, and like I don't know, just maybe don't put up with New York Red Bulls bullshit if you guys. Yeah. are all chit-chatting which i assume they are like you you have and to. throwing a bunch yeah. of yellow cards after 90 minutes is not how you rein in right. a game that's that's gonna get out of control like but whatever we that's saw, a different we thing. saw studs up tackles and Arius literally flipped into the air were both punished the exact same as matt miazga holding up heart hands just a little too much to fans that he played in front of since he was a small child cool what a, what a what a tuesday <laughs> and everyone thought that the real drama was issue one and issue two nah that, no sir no drama there real tough, real tough day for me Oscar, personally oh, no <laughs> he really didn't want that railroad sold <laughs> he just loves trains <laughs> he probably does <laughs> he's a simple fellow like that you know trains I will say to the uh, to the to the eight of you still listening, I absolutely shot a text message to FCC comms and said, any chance we can get me Oscar? So we tried for you, just so you know. <laughs> Left on. Did you red. get a? I was going to say, did you get a response to that? Did not get a response. Now, I assumed it was known that that was a joke. And now the longer there is no response, the more I think. 
they think it was not a joke. So then you have to do the awkward follow up. By the way, I was kidding. Yeah. In case not because I was, you know, worried that you were going to say anything. Just that now I need to establish firmly that, <laughs> just, you know, that I really wasn't serious about this. But request. if you wait too long, it was clearly serious at first. And now with no response, I'm going to take it back right. and treat it as no, a joke. It's, it's like I forget who the. <laughs> who the comedian was where it was like you know talking about proposing a threesome with your wife you say it jokingly <laughs> at first just to see what the reaction is unless uh, uh. Uh, i mean you know uh, uh well <clears throat> we managed to talk long enough to get the result of that new england philadelphia union match and folks guess who we're playing it's the philadelphia union <sighs> yeah yeah awesome. cool so we Neat. so we get them not a Sadly, wildly dysfunctional New England Revolution team. And we are just setting ourselves up very nicely for the the rivalry run. Although, sadly, St. Louis is gone. Man, we were really set up. Sadly? I'm just saying, if you wanted the worst possible outcome, it would have been New York Red Bull, Philadelphia Union, Columbus Crew, St. Louis. Like, that would have been pretty rough to run through. So... There we go. Uh, gentlemen, I think that's a postcast, unless somebody... I think it's got to be. Unless somebody is desperate to talk about something else. You know what's, do you know what's awesome about this? Is that we just... People say we talk too much, which is accurate. People say I talk too much, which is also accurate. Um, we just did an entire episode about three tweets <laughs> and an athletic article. <laughs> and nothing more. I challenge us to do more with less next time because <laughs> we might have to. <laughs> MLS needs more days like that. I said that yesterday. Yes. MLS needs more days like yesterday where it's hashtag this league. Like yeah. that was fun. I, I wish it wasn't happening to our player. I wish it wasn't happening to Miazga. I wish this whole story was about someone from Nashville that stormed a locker room or something like that. Like this was Hani Mukhtar or something. Yeah. Or Dax McCarty. That would be fun. But like the league needs more of this where there is an emergency story written by The Athletic with unnamed sources from multiple teams being quoted. Cryptic tweets, follow-ups by Pat Brennan 11 minutes later. This is good shit. This is how every other sports league in the world operates. This is this is a grow-up moment for MLS. And to everyone out there that was being all, oh, holier-than-thou and pearl-clutching, you're welcome. Yeah. This is entertaining. Yeah. Every other fan base knocked out of the playoffs, you're welcome. Like, you finally right. had something to root for. And I think, officially, we're the villains. Like this, this really changes the dynamic of the playoffs. We were the plucky underdog with the exciting story. Now we're assholes. And I think that's a good place to be. Yeah. We finally, I think, I think this week we have rightfully taken our spot on the throne of asshole mountain in MLS. And yeah, I do think we're the baddies now. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. I think that, I think what really needs to happen is the next TIFO that the supporters group does needs to be a giant miazga <laughs> going up on the rigging with the quote underneath it. I am the one who knocks <laughs> and then like the door from the officials right behind it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's so good. Miazga as Heisenberg. I love it. <laughs> Bunch of scared officials in the background. <laughs> it's not even about the other team. It's it's no, a threat no, to it's, the officials. <laughs> it's the true the one true rival of FC Cincinnati, and that is the officiating core of MLS. That is true. Grayson has me there. This whole time I was thinking it was the New York Red Bulls, but my God, this week showed me I had it all wrong. <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine playing them a third time? What if we had lost that penalty shootout? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I wouldn't be able to live. <laughs> yeah, like the, this week was all like we're worried about is Miazga going to be suspended? <laughs> oh, man. And I don't know. Do they keep the same officiating crew? My God, it'd be incredible. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.